You're listening to the Decluttered Mom Podcast, a podcast built specifically for busy moms by a busy mom. I'm your host, Diana Renee. And in 2017, I had my second daughter and it felt like I was literally drowning in my home. Okay, not literally, but I felt like I couldn't breathe with all of the stuff surrounding me. Over the next 10 months, I got rid of approximately 70% of our household belongings, and I have never looked back. I kind of feel like I hacked the mom system, and I'm here to share all the tips, tricks, and encouragement. Let's listen to today's show. All right, you guys. So we have Jess here. Um, and I got really, it was really funny because when she came on, I saw that she had the first and last name of one of my best friends since high school. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to talk to you, Jess, today because you are a member of Minimalish Starts Here, right? I am. Awesome. Can you share with us just a little bit about yourself, um, your family, kind of where you're located and all those fun things? Sure. So I was born and raised in Waco and that's where I am raising my children. That's Waco, Texas, Uh um, which is in central Texas. Um, and I am a mama of three children. I've got five-year-old twins and an almost two-year-old. We have kind of always, even before kids, had what I would call sort of a messy house. Yeah. Uh, My parents are very attached to things. I think there are probably a variety of psychological reasons behind that. I know I've certainly got my own. Um, But really, like I grew up in very full cluttered houses. So did my husband. And so um, it really wasn't until after our twins were born that I started feeling really overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the stuff I was having to manage. Yeah. And I think that's really common because I think if, especially if we grow up in homes that are um, particularly cluttered, that's just like what we know, right? <laughs> like yeah. um, we grow up in it. And so we kind of just like, like, that's just kind of like what we expect. Like that's how you live. And and maybe you know that like it's messy or whatever, but it's not as big of a deal until you bring other tiny humans into the mix and all the stuff that they bring. And then it starts to be like, okay, this is too much to handle. Absolutely. And I think like one of the the things is it was sort of pre-kids, it was spread out vertically around the house. Mm-hmm. And when I started moving all of the, I don't want to call it junk, but it was probably mostly junk yeah. <laughs> up out of baby reach, out of toddler reach, then I was like, it was suddenly all at eye level. And I was really faced, very literally faced with um, all of the things that we owned, but didn't use. Yeah. That makes sense. And you said, did you say that your twins are older or younger? They're older. They are. They turned five in February and then we've got a baby. Very cool. Um, So when did you join the program? Not until January of this year. So January 20, what is it? 22? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I feel like this year more than even others. I'm like, what year is it? We accidentally celebrated my husband's birthday twice, like he turned <laughs> seven twice, um, because COVID has done such a number on years. So, like, oh my god, will ever be more embarrassing than that? That is hilarious. Okay, so did you like? Did he know that it wasn't his birthday, and you just thought it was, or did you all think it was his birthday? I mean, it, like his birthday's in October. We, we like, it was in October, but the problem is like the year that he was supposed to turn 37, he turned 37. Mm-hmm. And the next year we also put 37 candles on his cake. <laughs> and it was like several months later that he'd said something to his mom about being 37. And she was like, no, you're not. And then <laughs> we argued. Uh, it was real bad. We pulled out a calculator. Okay. I am actually really glad you said that because I have to do the calculator all the time to figure out how old I am because I always forget. I feel like once you hit a certain age, you're like, uh, am I, am I 37? Um, it's yeah. Than it looks. yeah. And I had to do that a couple of weeks ago because my youngest was like, mommy, your birthday's coming up. And I was like, yeah, I know. And she's like, how old are you going to be? And I like looked at her and I was like, I think, I think 38 
<laughs> I was like, hold on. And I had to pull out the calculator and be like, 2020. And I'm like, wait, what year is it? What year is it? It's like, it was just a whole thing. So hard. So hard. <laughs> Nobody warned you about that, right? No. And as a kid, I knew down to like the week, like right. I'm six years old and 10 weeks, but like no longer. Yep, exactly. And my uh, five-year-old was like, oh, well, that's good that you're going to be 38 because you're not old until you turn 48. Good to know that. Got good 10 good years left. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. So you joined in January and let's talk a little bit prior to joining. So you said that um, it was when your twins were born that that you started to feel kind of overwhelmed by it. But that means that you had a good, what, solid four to five years of feeling overwhelmed? Yes. And I tried a lot of, so I'm a, I'm a solution oriented person. Okay. Uh, I have my PhD. I like answers. I love a good answer. And so they were born. I was really overwhelmed. We were living in a um, three-bedroom, 1,400-square-foot house, which is a okay. perfectly reasonable-sized house for four people. Yeah. Um, but I was so overwhelmed, I decided that probably the solution was just more space. Yeah. And so we sold our house and bought a bigger house. Um, and that did not work to the surprise of nobody who has actually figured this out, but I was yeah. stuck. Right. <laughs> You're like, wait, that was a lot of work and stress for that to that work. Like so much more money. Like it just, it, yeah. In hindsight, oh my goodness. Like clearly that was not the solution, but I thought maybe. Yeah. How many, sorry to interject, but how many square feet did you move into? 2,700. So okay, so quite double. a big, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's, Anyway, we're, we're still here and it's working for us, but such an interesting decision. Um, then I started trying to, I decided the problem is just that I wasn't organized enough, but you can't organize junk. You say it better than that. You, you can't organize clutter. Is yeah. Okay. You say no, basically. Right. <laughs> and so I bought a bunch of dressers and I bought a bunch of bookcases and yeah. I bought a bunch of baskets. I mean, like, seriously, probably a hundred baskets. Yep. Um, cause I just thought I could do it that way. And it probably wasn't until the twins were three that a girlfriend came over who lives out of town. And she was like, Oh, this is just very stressful. And I was like, well, cause it's loud. And she was like, there's just, there's so much to look at. Um, like what if you reset your mantle? And we took everything off of my mantle. I was like, some of that's decorative and it's supposed to stay there. And she was like, let your eyes reset. Just take everything off your mantle. Yeah. And so I did that and it was really astonishing um, how how much calmer I felt in the living room. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I started trying to minimize, um, but without much direction. And I was like reading books and I was yep. watching Netflix shows and I was, you know, kind of spinning my wheels in a productive sense. Like I, I do think it was better than when I was trying to organize my clutter. Um, but I still would like look at 15 things and get rid of like one of them. Yeah. It wasn't uh, ruthless. No, it was certainly not ruthless. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you probably at that point had a lot of those emotional obstacles, right? Like things that were holding you back from letting go. So when you, at that time, when you would look at 15 things and get rid of one of them, what was coming up for you? Oh, goodness. Lots of fear and scarcity. Like, well, what if I need this later? Yeah. But it was not like, oh my goodness, this one of a kind tea kettle handed down from my great grandmother. What if I need this later? It was like a half pack of Bic pens that I'd bought six years ago. What if I need this later? Right. I could totally relate. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember if I've talked about this on Instagram or if it's inside the course, but I had like a bag of like 500 rubber bands. 
um, that I had the hardest time getting rid of when I was first decluttering. And I, it was like just sitting in my junk drawer. I had never opened it. Like I had never used these 500 rubber bands, but like, I was like struck with like, it was like, I was paralyzed to be able to let go because what if I had a use for a rubber band, (laughs) not only just one rubber band, but 500 of them, even though I never in my life had used them, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, and like, especially, you know, it's not like we are on the frontier. Like if you Mm -hmm. woke up tomorrow and needed 500 rubber bands, you could get them within an hour. Right. And not even have to leave your house. I ordered my husband a new uh, toothbrush yesterday and I ordered it at like 9 a.m. And it was like, oh, it'll be there tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. And then like two hours later, the Amazon guy's on my front porch. And I'm like, how in the world <laughs> did they get that here so fast? We live in the future. It is so yeah. weird. Yes. And that's so true. It's not like uh, if we do get rid of something, we are going to have to like make a journey or like have a really difficult time to recoup it. And oftentimes the things that we have the hardest time letting go because of what if we need it later, it is typically like a lower cost item for some reason. Yes, I noticed that as well. And then my other obstacle, which I feel like is very related, is um, my mom is a huge hippie. We do our best to kind of live simply and not make a lot of waste. And so I had a lot of guilt about Um, like throwing away things that were broken that I could fix or I could turn into something else, which I'm literally never going to do. Yeah. Um, Or that like very, I feel like this kind of a standard, terrible excuse to not get rid of something, but like, oh, but it's still good. Yeah. And one thing that was really powerful that you said is like, okay, well, it's good right now. So you could give it away so someone else could use it while it's still good, or you could keep it in a closet till it's not good anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to think that though, right? It's hard, especially when we feel like we're doing like a noble thing by keeping it. Um, and I think that that can come from a lot of different sources. It can come from being raised in an environment, um, like you said, with your mom being a hippie and like think, and like reusing and recycling, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so it can come from that, or it can be um, if you grew up in poverty or really low income, and there can be like actual really valid reasons for holding on to things because you may not have the money to to replace if needed, Um, or like being raised by a grandparent who lived through the Great Depression and just, you know, hoarded everything because they were so used to that in their life. So there can be so many different reasons um, for having that mentality. But when you were able to let that mentality kind of switch, what happened for you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So my husband and I were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we went out for a walk. And when we came back in through the front door, I did like a teenager sigh, just like very dramatic, huge sigh and said, "Ugh, it is so messy in this house right now. Mm-hmm. And he laughed at me, which is probably not good marriage advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, if you walked into our house a year ago, you would cry. Yeah. Um, just like our threshold has really changed. Like mm-hmm. when I went through and was really ruthless um, and I'm not why done with the program yet? I okay. am, uh, I'm kind of dealing with some emotional things plus some time things in a craft room. It's like kind of our last stop. Oh yes. Like to the, I'm avoiding it to the point that I've jumped to a section that's technically like after. <laughs> okay. And that's okay to do PS by the way. Um, because I know in the program, we talk a lot about like doing it in order and how important it is to do in order, but every now and then there are going to be things like a craft room or oftentimes a guest room will kind of become a second garage or basement full of like, it, it's where like all the stuff that you don't know what to do with goes to die, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And so it's okay to move those to the end, but I would encourage you if you are stuck on it to, if you're in the Facebook group to post in there so we can help you through it too. Perfect. And I just, <clears throat> part of it is I'm in academia and it's kind of a crunch time at work. And mm-hmm. so it, 
you know, I know you talk a lot about like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Lately, I feel like I go in there and I spend like four minutes or yeah. seven minutes, but I know that the the progress is happening. And yeah. so I'm not as hung up with, like at the beginning, I felt like if I didn't finish what I was doing, it was going to like snowball and become way worse. Yeah. And I've just, I've built up my decluttering muscles working through the program so that now I'm like, it's okay if I walk in there and do part of a drawer. Right. Like that's fine. Right. Because you've built that momentum and you know that you will be able to finish the drawer another day. Exactly. And it's something that like, I know, like, I'm not, I'm not defeated by it. Like, I feel like at the beginning, if I had tried at the beginning of this journey, even in January to start in that room, I never would have gotten anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Right. It's about your program. Yeah. And I think that that is a really common thing. Okay. So you mentioned at the beginning of our uh, chat that you, you know, we're reading all the books and watching Netflix shows and things like that. Um, and there are several popular like decluttering shows on Netflix and on YouTube and um, they have helped millions of people. So I'm not going to discredit them, but um, I know that oftentimes they show like the really hard rooms or like the really intensely cluttered closets and things like that. Um, and so oftentimes when somebody watches that, they are like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do my closet. And then they get frustrated because they they try and they're like, this is hard. And I don't want to let go of these clothes because of like a multitude of reasons, right? Like um, I loved this dress before I had babies and mm. now my body doesn't really fit it right now, but maybe it will one day. Or like I was wearing this when I met my husband or um, there's like, I mean, there's a million and one reasons we hold on to clothes. It's so emotional. Um, but I think that oftentimes when we are starting to declutter, we just go for the spaces that really bother us. And that tends to be the areas that are really hard to do and that I never recommend starting with. When I first looked at the order, there was a part of me, like my, like, hands on the hips, four-year-old self that was like, no, I'm not listening to this. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm really glad that for whatever reason I didn't, because I really do think that the starting in a place that was completely devoid of emotions for me, like it did not, yeah, it was not difficult for me to go into that first space and be ruthless and get rid of things that we didn't use and were never going to use that I had maybe bought and didn't like. Um, and things of that nature so that I could just kind of figure out how and get the practice and build that muscle memory and just like get ruthless. Yeah. And, and it builds momentum, right? Like it really does when you are able to be really ruthless in a, in a space that doesn't really mean much to you or you don't really care about or you don't think it's stressing you out once you're done you realize okay maybe that was stressing me out a little bit (laughs) Uh, but I also feel really good that I was able to do that and so you're able to like progressively move into those harder spaces well and the there was such a like a domino effect of it like once I had done my first space which kind of my my first space my house was built in 1930 Okay. So my second space is actually like a part of my first space. Yeah. Yep. Um, But it wasn't able to function that way because we had so much junk and products and things that just had no business still existing in our house. Yeah. Things that mostly existed because I felt we were donating them. I didn't feel like I could donate a lot of that stuff because it was open. Okay. Um, but keeping something just because it's not nice enough to donate doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) Like it's not good enough for goodwill, but it's probably not good enough for your house either. Right. Um, but once I had done that and really made space, then suddenly we weren't keeping things on top of my husband's dresser or on the downstairs couch off of the laundry room. Like there was just, there were places that were serving as storage 
fridge that had no business storing the things that they were storing. Yeah. I totally get that. And I love that you said that because um, I think that, I think we just, especially in America, I think we have it so backwards where we just feel like, and maybe we don't do this intentionally, right? But we just treat our homes like storage facilities. Um, And we do that because we live here, of course. And so we have, maybe we have the extra space or maybe we don't have the extra space, but we still like stuff it in there. Um, but the thing is, is that we are like turning our, the very space that's supposed to like rejuvenate us and provide like a haven of rest and relaxation um, and a place to like form memories with your family into like a storefront (laughs) of all the stuff that you maybe possibly could need one day or you feel bad donating or um, just like you said. So I think it's really interesting that a lot of the times the things we choose to hold on to are, are not logical by any sense. Mm-hmm. but they're emotional. And that's why decluttering can be so hard is because if it was logical, everybody could, nobody would have clutter. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so funny that you call it a storefront because like carrying that analogy a little bit further, like I would not shop at that store. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to shop at the store of half full shampoo bottles <laughs> yeah. and sheets with a blood stain because my kid stained, uh, skinned his knee and then crawled <laughs> in the bed. Like, right. gross. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the gross store that nobody wants anything from. <laughs> And yet I'm living in it. I'm living in the gross store. Uh, right. where I, was. I, I have freed myself, but. Right. And then we wonder why we're so stressed out. And obviously there are way more factors to that. There's a lot, um, there's a lot that goes into stress, especially in modern motherhood and parenting and like the expectations placed on us and, and all of that. But we are not helping ourselves. We are, we are like setting ourselves even further back where we wake up for the day and we're like already feeling behind simply because of our environment versus waking up for the day and feeling like, okay, I have a lot of like crappy things today (laughs) that I might have to deal with, but at least I'm waking up with like a clean blank slate. Yes. Well, and like one of your, um, one of your systems that we have started implementing lately is PM pickup. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's really nice to wake up to a reset home. And last night, this is, this is luxurious. Actually, last night I accidentally fell asleep at seven fifty-five. Oh, um, like I got all the kids down and I sat down on the, well, I got my youngest down. My husband was still reading to the twins. And so I, I sat down on the couch to wait for him. And then like woke up at midnight and just like went and crawled into my own bed. Yeah. Um, And so this morning when I woke up, the house was not ready for the day. Yeah. Like he had made the lunches, but like there were water bottles and like a pair of rain. There were just stuff on the living room floor. Yeah. So before I'm working from home today. So before I started my day, I just spent 10 minutes while the Keurig was making my coffee and cleaned the living room. Yeah. And that would have been completely impossible before the program. Like it would have taken me an hour and I probably would have ended up stacking a lot of that stuff on a flat surface in a different room. Yeah. You would have just hidden it. Yeah. I would have hidden and not even particularly well. Yeah. (laughs) It would have just been behind me. Right. Just not in your like blatant vision. <laughs> yes. Like that's about future Jess. Like, yeah. Yeah. You want to be kind to her. I love her. I should yes. treat her well. Yes. Um, I know that that was like a big thing for me too, was I used to like, where I used to live. Okay. So now we kind of live out in the boonies, but where we used to live, like I had a lot of friends that lived nearby and like family that lived like walking distance. Um, and I would get like a text and it's like, Hey, I'm down the street. I'm going to stop over. And I would like panic. It was like the worst feeling because I was like, they cannot see my house. 
the way the way it is even though they were also moms of young kids and like totally understood but so I would like go outside and like just talk to them in the front yard or like I would like do a mad dash and just like throw everything into closets and kitchen cabinets like nothing made sense I just didn't want it to look the way it did and then that would bring on like a sense of feeling like I was failing like I'm sure no one else has to do this I'm probably the only one who has to do this um but now like when I have fully decluttered like somebody can um text me and say hey I'm down the street I'm gonna come over um And that doesn't mean that my house is like pristine, but it does mean that like if I have 10 minutes, then I can get my house to a place where it used to take me a couple of hours to get it to. And that is like a really freeing feeling. And it may sound silly or little, but just the ability to know that you don't have this like one to three hour burden hanging over your head at all times that you can just like quickly put on a podcast and pick up for 10 or 20 minutes and your like house is completely reset. Yes. And this is going to maybe sound like I don't have very much integrity, but (laughs) I used to hide stuff, cram it into cabinets and closets and just like throw it upstairs because our stairs close with the door. Yeah. And then people would come over and I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's so messy. (laughs) I was lying, lying, lying. Right. And so it's so funny now that like the actual mess is what I used to lie and say that the mess was. Yeah. Like our starting used to be the finish line and it it feels fake sometimes. Like I'm still, I'm not quite sure how it took me this long to figure it out. And that's when I first started working through the program, my husband was like, I don't get it. Why does someone else have to tell you how to do this? Yeah. I hear that a lot. You know how to do this? Yeah. Like feel free, bud. You can do it. Yeah. (laughs) But it just, the, the patterns that you set up, the systems, the routines, the order, um, and then the support, like honest to goodness, that Facebook group. Yeah. Is the, the coaches are pressure. Yes. The yeah. coaches are brilliant. But even just like when I maybe should have been decluttering, but was instead like laying around going through Facebook, I would see like someone's craft room or someone's like all of the shoes that they had been keeping, like their kids outgrown shoes. Yeah. And seeing someone else's big old box of outgrown shoes, it's like, oh, you have that too. (laughs) Right. Get rid of those real quick. You are not going to use those. Give those away. You can buy your baby new shoes. Right. Okay. So I have to just talk about the Facebook group for a minute because I have been, my oldest is eight and prior to her being born, I was a part of the bump. Do you remember the bump? Yes. Oh my goodness. And the nest and the that. Yes. And and so they had like the um the board. So like it wasn't even on like any social media. It was like on their website and it, they had boards and like you would have your own um like she was born in January of 2014. So it was like the January 2014 board and you could only join it if you were pregnant and due that month. Yes. Um, so like even then there was so much drama and snark and like, (laughs) there was a lot of really good, right? But there was also like this element of like always feeling like you're going to say the wrong thing or like people were jumping down others' throats and like then moving on to Facebook and like local moms groups. It's like, man, they're so intense and not like supportive of what you would hope to join a group for, right? Oh, yes. Um, So I really hesitated starting this Facebook group for the members because that was like my, that was always my experience was like this drama. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to like moderate that. I don't, you know, I don't want that to be what it turns into. But we decided to go for it a couple years ago. And it is the most drama-free supportive space I think I've ever been in (laughs) on social media. Um, And you could tell me if you think the same or not, but. Absolutely it is. Yeah. It's astonishing. Like I am taking and posting pictures of the stuff that I was hiding from my grandmother, you know, (laughs) strangers, this really embarrassing stuff. 
And instead of, you know, there's not even like the, the like passive aggressive stuff. I feel like in a lot of groups where they're like, oh, you're so brave for posting that. Like, right. <laughs> that's not a compliment. You're a mean right. person. Um, it's just people saying like, you've got this or, oh my gosh, my playroom looks just like that. Yeah. I, I call it a sisterhood because that's what it feels like to me where um, there is so much support. There just really is no judgment. We've had that group now for, gosh, okay, what year is it again? <laughs> 2022. 22. Yeah. Um, so that started in August of 2018. So holy moly, four years, right? Is my math right? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I have to break out a calculator now for even for that. So it's a four, it's four years old and we have only had to remove one person in four years from that group, which I think is just insane. And then we have the coaches in there, which I also think is a really, really big thing because a lot of times when someone joins like an online course, you're just kind of on your own. Um, And it's like DIY and sometimes that works. But for this specific subject matter, I, I just think that there's like a huge bonus to having like the support of people who are doing it with you, but also who have been there, done that, and can like walk you through the harder emotional sides, or maybe you're done with a space and you want to organize and you need help with it. So you can post pictures and um, I could talk about that all day. I just love the Facebook group and it's, I think there's like 2000 members in there now. So to only have had to remove one person in four years is crazy. (laughs) I love that. And I, I think another benefit of the Facebook group, in addition to the coaches, is that with that many people, there is going to be someone who understands your like weird thing. Yeah, right. Like one of my best friends is in the group and her husband has not gotten rid of a shirt since high school. Mm-hmm. Um, like like that, that's a lot of shirts, bud. Yeah. Um, and so when she was first, she was like hesitant to join the Facebook group. Like she bought the program, she's working through the videos, blah, blah, blah. But she was like, I don't, I don't think I need strangers doing this with me. Like yeah. we can do it. it'll be fine. Yeah. And she was asking like, okay, so like, how did you handle when my husband is Wes? How did you handle when Wes, you know, didn't want you getting rid of any of his shirts? And I was like, well, Wes has 10 shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Don't struggle with that. <laughs> that's, that's not something I really know about at all. He kind of has always like owned what he needed. And then when something got see-through or got a hole or got too tight or whatever, he would throw it away or donate it depending on why he was getting rid of it and replace it exactly. Like he has a cartoon okay. closet. Okay. That was my black t-shirt. So now I need another black t-shirt. Uh, very Steve Jobs of him. <laughs> it's it's pretty hilarious. I try yeah. not to to pick on him because I've got plenty of weird quirks. Right, but, um, right. His closet really makes me laugh. And so it was really nice. Like when she, I convinced her to join the Facebook group, and then not long after we were in, someone posted something along the lines of, "You know, here's the afters of my bedroom. I know it doesn't look like it's completely finished." but my husband's not ready. And so I left all of his stuff, but my stuff has been decluttered. And it was just so like, we were like, she called me, which it's 2022. We don't call people. Right. right. (laughs) But she called me and she was like, did you see this? Like, it's fine. I can just do my stuff. Yes. Yes, you can. And I think it was just different hearing like you saying like, don't throw away your kid's stuff when they're not looking like, that's not what this is about. Like treat people with respect. Right. Uh, when they're ready, they'll be ready. And uh, it was just really, I think that's just one of the biggest successes of that Facebook group is normalizing mm-hmm. all the different roads that we are on. Right. And there, there are enough people in there that you will find at least one other person that has the same, what you perceive as like a weird thing happening in your home. Um, they have it too, and maybe even to like a further extent. Yes. And I love that. I think that sisterhood is perfect for that because you're not the only one doing, I don't want to say weird for like the 50th time, but (laughs) it really normalizes a lot of the quirks. Yeah. 
That so you mentioned your husband's t-shirt. So that makes me wonder. Has your you said that your husband grew up in a cluttered home? Also, has he struggled with clutter, or is that something that he has more naturally been been um, successful with? Or talk to me more about like what I know. You said that he gave you a hard time for buying the program because like why would you need someone to tell you what to do? Um, and I hear that all the time, and it's really funny. But how how has his journey been? I guess is a better question. So his parents still live in his childhood home. Mm -hmm. And so when he moved out to go to college, he took some of his things um, and then lived in a dorm, in an apartment, in a shared house, blah, blah, blah. Like kind of jumped around the way that young adults often do. Right. And really, because he was moving so often, really was kind of pretty bare bones about what he owned. Okay. Um, and then right before we met, he had moved to Arizona, lived there for about a year and then moved back to Texas. Uh-huh. And so that was another kind of major culling. Um, so he kind of owned fewer things and was fine with that in large part because anything that he wasn't ready to deal with was just still at his parents' house. Right. Um, meanwhile, my, um, my parents are divorced and my mom and stepdad, which is where I kept the majority of my things. Um, cause my dad rents a room, like he okay. very bare bones. Yeah. They, I'm the oldest kid. And so when I left, my brother got my room, like he was texting pictures of the, I guess he was emailing pictures, he was emailing pictures of his room before we had gotten to my dorm the day that I <laughs> he was ready for you to go. <laughs> so I have kind of always like my, my childhood clutter came with me even into my dorm room. Okay. And so I have kind of always like, I don't feel like I had a, a reset in college. Like this is my dorm with my one set of sheets. Like it was Right. All of my junk. It was totes and totes and totes of stuff. Yeah. That's interesting because that's not, that's not super common. No. And I think it really has, um, has rippled out into even now, like there are things that I have gotten rid of this year that I probably took to college with me from my, (laughs) from my home. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. That is interesting. And I think that, um, I think it is more common for people to be able to leave all their childhood clutter at home, right? Even if it's like in the garage or attic or something of their home. So that's an interesting dynamic that you took it all with you and continued to take it all with you. Yes, that's probably not a, a good chalk in, uh, in my column in terms of, uh, learning from my mistakes, like the best <laughs> trekked and schlepped all of this clutter around with me as I, you know, moved dorm to dorm and then got my first little apartment. Like what, why? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's funny because we have moved, uh, I don't know, I think three or four times since we've been married for 11 years. And until I, went through the whole decluttering process, like we would move and we would like go down to the basement and we would like bring all the boxes from the basement and put them on the moving truck. And we'd be like, what's in those? And I'm like, I don't know. And my husband would be like, I don't know, but it must be important if we had it in the basement. So we would like move it to the next house. And like, (laughs) um, it wasn't until we decluttered that I like would go through them. And I've told this story before and my husband knows I tell this story, so he won't be mad at me, but he had this ginormous box of, it It just said important on the outside. So like we kept moving it house to house. And then when I went through like the whole decluttering process and I got into the basement, I started going through these boxes and I opened this huge box that says important that had, it was full of, and this was like probably like half the size of like a refrigerator box. So like a really big yeah. box. Yeah. And it had um empty CD jewel cases. <laughs> <laughs> so like not CDs, empty cases. And 
I like, I vividly remember walking upstairs and being like, why, like, just why can you come here and look at this? Why is this labeled important? Number one. And he said, cause they're my memories. And he was like, very matter of fact about it. And he like, like the look on his face, he was like, what do you mean? Like, like, why is this weird? Um, and like to him, like as a teenager, like we had CDs and like you looked at the lyrics, you know, like before you could like Google them and he just felt like an attachment to them. And so we brought like post decluttering, post getting rid of almost 70% of our items that was, that box survived. It was part of the 30% that moved to our new house with us. And then we were going through it again. <laughs> uh, when we were at the new house because I was doing like a maintenance round and I was like, let's just try, let's, let's see what he says about this box. Now that we're like in this new house and like, he feels really good about um, how much we've decluttered and everything because he was very, very resistant to decluttering. Um, and he was like, finally like, okay, we can get rid of these. That's fine. Um, but he had my girls with him and he like had my oldest go get a trash bag. And then he taught them like this chant and they were like, we're throwing away our memories. <laughs> throwing <laughs> away <laughs> As he was like chucking them in the bag. Um, and so that's just a really good example of like, we hold on to the strangest things. And like, like I said, I'm not talking bad about him. We talk about this all the time, but, um, we just hold on to the most random things and then we do it sometimes out of like sentimentality, but sometimes we just hold on because we don't even think about it. We just throw it on the moving truck. It must be important if it's in this box and we just keep moving it from place to place. Well, and I think that reason is also one of the reasons that it is so hard to declutter is like a lot of times clutter just is those unmade decisions. Yeah. And as long as you can put that off, as long as you can make that decision later and wait, um, <clears throat> then moving's easier. Yeah. It's more expensive. It's yeah. more space. But um, if I don't have to ask myself, like, do I need this DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince cassette tape, <laughs> right. even though I bought it with my own money? Like, do yeah. I have a cassette player? Right. You can't even listen to it. Take a picture of this and just let it go. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you don't have to, especially if you're moving to a bigger space, right? Like you yes. talked about and you were like, oh, we're going to have all this space now. Of course we can keep that. We'll just buy a new dresser. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I am embarrassed to admit I, now I'm, I'm working on getting them out of our house. They're empty, but this is one of the things my husband teases me about. Like he'll just like walk through the house and count dressers and like, yeah. One is a buffet, like we're using it as a sideboard in our dining room. Um, and one holds like all of our outdoor like bubbles and sprinklers and like swimsuits and towels, like yeah. and in swim stuff. And then clearly we use them for clothes. Um, but I think we have like nine dressers in this dumb house right now. Like yeah. <laughs> that's that's a whole lot of uh whole lot of storage that maybe represents things that don't have to live here. Yeah. And maybe those also, that might be hard for you to let go of those. And maybe once you do, you'll feel like you're finally really at the end of the program because I think maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, those represent like what, what you thought was going to work. And it's kind of hard to admit that that wasn't the solution, <laughs> um, especially if you went out and spent money on them. Because dressers aren't cheap. It's not like that. I mean, even baskets can be frustrating if you buy a bunch of them. Baskets or bins, but like for for an entire like big piece of furniture, that's not like a cheap thing to go out and buy. And so it can feel hard to maybe admit or acknowledge that that wasn't what you needed. So Named I do. Something I had not realized, but yeah, I think you're yeah. absolutely right. Like I look at them and I'm like, but this is, this is a solution. Like yeah. it's not a solution that worked. Like, I don't know that you can yeah. call it a solution if it didn't solve a problem. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So that makes me wonder out of all those 100 baskets that you bought, do you still have them? 
Oh my gosh. Almost none of them. Really? Um, in large part, because I thought that baskets were going to help me solve toy storage. Oh yes. And when I put random toys in a basket, the basket just gets dumped. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably any mom of littles can tell you one of the worst sounds in the world is the like crash <laughs> of a basket being dumped over. Right. Um, and so I really, I got rid of all of my playroom baskets, except one um, that's holding like items. Like that's where we're keeping all of the um, like toddler sized cars and trucks, okay. like big hot wheels, like roughly like adult fist sized. Right. Are together in a basket. Um, and then our musical instruments are inside of a, I don't remember the brand, but it's the, the target drum that the lid comes off and the music stuff goes inside. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of basket ish, but almost nowhere else, I guess also in our, our med room, I've kept the baskets that I bought there, but honest to goodness, that's probably very different than a hundred. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could probably have 18 left if I'm like counting correctly in my head. Okay. And I think about the time that I spent loading up two tiny little babies to go to Target. Yeah. Right. And, like, take them and buy them and bring them home. And this was prior to like curbside pickup. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we were inside of Target. Yep. Yep. And my, my tiny little people are like licking the shopping cart because kids are <laughs> so gross. <laughs> Um, I know the th- uh, the threshold for like convenience taking little humans out of the house has like lowered so much since COVID. I feel like because so many stores made it so much easier. <laughs> well, and that so Target drive up in this area started a couple months pre COVID. Okay, my mom used to make so much fun of me. She was like, "You don't even go inside anymore." I'm like, "A, I'm saving a billion dollars by not right. going to Target." Right. Have you met these people? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not taking them places. I love them, but they cannot go places. Right. I have a niece who was born in September 2019. So like, you know, the first few months of her life, she was home because she was a newborn and then COVID hit. So she's like totally a pandemic baby. And um, the first time my sister brought her into a grocery store was when she was like almost two. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she took a video of her and it's so funny because like the look on her face, she's like, what is this? <laughs> all these people and the bright lights and all this stuff. And I'm sure it was pretty alarming. My my youngest is a June, 2020 baby. Okay. Like I was mega pregnant when everything shut down. Yeah. And so he really, even going into other people's homes now, just kind of stands in the middle of the room and looks around with big eyes. (laughs) Poor sheltered child. Yeah. That is so funny. Okay. So my last question for you, Jess, is how has decluttering impacted, if at all, um, your children who are five and two, right? He'll be two in June. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So at first they were really anxious because things were changing. Like the house looked different every day. Yeah. But my daughter walked in to a room pretty early in the program and she said, how did you do that? How did I do what? She said, you made it bigger in here. Oh, so I, I got rid of some of the things that we're not using. She said, I think you can do that. I think you can do that everywhere. So I think that I can too. <laughs> so sweet. And we just like, we have more, more space now yeah. that they can use. Like before I was really stressed about toys. And so I would like dump armfuls of toys back into the playroom, like midday constantly. I was like really bad about kind of just like kicking a stuffed animal or whatever, just into the middle of the playroom floor so that it yeah. wasn't anywhere else. Um, and now that it's it's more maintained. There's fewer things like, okay, you want to put the little tykes trampoline in the middle of the living room, go for it. It's yep. one toy. Yep. 
I love that. And it's so fun. I love watching um, through the eyes of children as people are going through the program because they don't have like all all the mental and emotional, I mean, they're starting to, but they don't have like the level that we do with all of our stuff. So like, it's very obvious to them, like, like your daughter said, how did you make this room bigger? <laughs> because it looked bigger to her. Um, and one of my favorite stories is from someone, her name is Megan, and she was one of the like OG, like first member. I think she was like the first 10 members of the program in 2018. And she did her kitchen and she's like, you know, we've lived in this house uh, for seven or eight years. And my five-year-old walked into the kitchen that had clear countertops. And he said, mom, when did we get these new counters? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, she laughed. And then she was standing there and she's like, he's five. And he probably has never seen like the cleared off countertop, like in his whole life. (laughs) I know about that. And she's like, so now I feel like I have brand new countertops in my kitchen through his eyes. One of the first things that you had me do was take everything off of my fridge. Yes. Um, And I was reluctant, but I was going with it. Okay. Um, I figured that was the process to to undo if it it didn't work for me. Yeah. And the third or fourth day, my my five-year-old son is not the most observant child in the world. Yeah. Um, He walked into the kitchen and he said, how did you make that silver? So I, I did not make that silver. He's like, yes, you did. Like, well, it's always been silver. It's just been under a million. That is so days. funny. I love it. We need to like compile like a list of all the things that kids are saying as we're working through the house. That's awesome. Flattering, but they yeah. are they are funny. Awesome. Well, Jess, I feel like I could talk to you all day, um, but for the sake of your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and talking to me and just being really open and vulnerable about everything that you've gone through in this process, but like everything leading up to this process too. It's been really fun to chat with you. Likewise. I feel like I frequently talk back to your videos. So it's been really fun actually having a conversation with you. Thanks for hanging out and listening to the Decluttered Mom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could write a review or share this episode with a friend or your Instagram stories. And if you're on Instagram, be sure to follow me at the.declettered.mom and send me a DM to say hi. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. I hope you'll come back next week and hang out with us again.